recently as I've been working on a book on Scripture, the Lord has drawn my attention to His uniqueness among all the gods in a way that has been fresh. And I want to share some of this with you, how I've seen the uniqueness of God here in Isaiah, maybe maybe two snapshots of his uniqueness from Isaiah in two different lab sessions, and then a snapshot of that same uniqueness from the Psalms, and then maybe another snapshot of that uniqueness from, from the New Testament. So first, we'll look at a, a couple of texts in Isaiah. Father, as we Focus on what Isaiah sees as your amazing uniqueness among all the gods of the world. I pray that we would perceive it as glorious because surely that is the way he wanted us to see it. And then draw our affections out to you and transform us by your glory and your uniqueness among all the gods. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So here we are in Isaiah chapter 64 verses 1 to 4, and the main verse we're going to look at is verse 4, but let's read it in context. They're praying, the people are praying, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. So there's a sense that God is is distant right now. He seems to be uh, withholding his manifest presence from the people and from the nations. And and this cry is for God to stand forth and show himself. As when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil. In other words, come not just as an ineffectual fire, but a fire that does, does things, makes wood burn and makes water boil. Show your presence by the effectiveness of your heat to make your name known among your adversaries, that the nations might tremble at your presence. So there's a sense that that God is presently at a distance, and his adversaries have the upper hand, and they are not trembling at God. They don't have any sense of his power and his significance in their lives. And so the prayer is, O God, come, stand forth, be effective. When you did awesome things that we did not look for, You came down, just like they're praying for him to come down. The mountains quaked at your presence. So often in the scriptures, when the saints are crying out for God to do a a new thing, they remember the old thing that he did. That's what we should do. And now comes this astonishing verse, which is the one that I want us to focus on concerning the uniqueness of God. From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No eye has seen a God besides you. So what does that mean? That means there isn't any God like this. No one has heard about it. No one has seen a God besides you. Now, what's the content of that uniqueness? You see, that's what he's saying? Uniqueness? No one has heard a God. No one has seen a God besides you who does this. So he's talking about God's uniqueness. How is God different from all the gods? Who acts? 
for those who wait for him. Or we could, I love to use the word works here. It's a good translation of the same word. Who, who works, who performs deeds. Who works for those who wait for him. The uniqueness of God is that God works for people who are willing to look to him and trust him and give him the credit for working rather than presuming that what God needs is more workers like me. That is an amazing definition of God's uniqueness among all the gods. So from of old, no one has heard of a God who works for those who wait for him. No one has seen a God who works for those who wait for him. Why not? Because all those other gods are gods who go around the world getting, uh, amassing slave labor. All the other gods say, come work for me. Prove yourself. I will bless you if you work for me. Whereas the Christian God comes to weak, broken, needy, helpless people and says, I'm willing to work for you. Will you wait for me? Will you look to me? Will you trust me? That's his uniqueness. Now, here it is again, one other text. It's in several places, but we'll just take two of them in this session. I love this one. So we're going back a few uh, chapters to chapter 46. Bel and Nebo are Babylonian gods. Bel bows down. Nebo stoops. Their idols are on beasts and livestock. These things you carry are born as burdens on heavy beasts. So these gods have to be carried. Their idols have to be carried. They stoop. They bow down together. They cannot, they cannot save the burden, but themselves go into captivity. And now, What's the alternative to that kind of God? Listen to me. O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel, who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made, I will bear I will carry, I will save. <laughs> this is beautiful. So here's, here's Bell and Nebo. Oh, they have big, boisterous voices to say, carry me, I demand that you carry me. <laughs> and, and their people do their best to carry their idols. And God says, now, what's unique about me? I carry you. You've been born by me. I will carry you. I will bear you. I will carry you. I will save you. Who has seen a God like this who works for those who wait for him? So the key question is, as we look at all the religions of the world, look at Islam, look at Buddhism, look at Confucianism, look at Judaism as it's presently understood without its Messiah, look at all the the religions of the world, and essentially God demands performance as a ground for blessing. And 
the God of the Bible is unique. He comes and he offers performance for those who will look to him. This is what I think wait for him means. Look to him, trust him, and give him the glory for carrying you, not you carrying him.